and welcome back to State of Mind with me, Grace Kingswell. Firstly, I just want to send my love to all of you listening to this episode in light of the tier four restrictions announced a few days ago and the cancellation of Christmas. I hope you're all coping okay. It was really quite interesting listening back to this episode that I recorded with Sarah Malcolm at the end of the summer. As I mentioned a lot that the week we just had was a bit crazy. The announcement of the second lockdown and the US presidential election. Well, it's got even more bizarre as I'd never really thought they'd cancel Christmas, but here we are and I'm sending you all loads of love. So today's guest is the wonderful, glorious, soothing and beautiful Sarah Malcolm. I have such a girl crush on Sarah, as you can probably tell, and she really is one of my favourite people on the whole entire internet. Sarah is a yoga teacher and podcaster. You may have heard of her podcast, Kitchen Club, which she hosts with previous State of Mind guest, Serena Louth. She's also a closet food stylist, a previous employee of Deliciously Ella, and serious sourdough lover. In this episode, we talk about how she built her very successful yoga business, what it's been like getting engaged during lockdown, and her diagnosis of PCOS, which was the thing that put her on the path to where she is now. It's such a lovely ramble chat, um, to use an Adam Buxton term. And I really hope you gain a lot from this. We cover some very interesting ground and talk through pretty much just life. And it's really, really lovely. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into the episode. Wonderful. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Grace. So nice to see, to see you, actually, because, oh. yeah, I can see your face through the wonder of the internet. It's an absolute pleasure to see yours. I feel like you've been just in my week all week this week, really. I know we're doing um, a very like incestuous podcast week, aren't we? We are. We are. But it's been so lovely. Everyone yeah, I know um, is just speaking about you to me this week as well, which is so oh. nice. I'm honestly just like completely bowled over by the um, response to the Kitchen Club episode and I'm so grateful to you Aww. guys for having me on. Oh, it's such um, a pleasure. And I'm really excited to record with you for State of Mind. So uh, without further ado, the first question I've kind of been asking everyone on, on this new series, which I feel is like even more important um, given very recent events, is what has 2020 taught you so far? Ooh. It's a big question. It is a big question, isn't it? Um, definitely patience. Mm. Patience is a big one and not planning things. <laughs> <laughs> but just also, don't put anything just, in the diary. Don't plan a thing. But also it's really taught me to slow down definitely definitely taught me to slow down um I feel like I you know when you don't realize that you're busy until things until you're forced to stop and forced to reassess and then you look back at your old life and you think gosh I did so mm. much that's not okay mm. um so I would say it's yeah it taught me to slow down and taught me to not plan which actually my my Probably my word of the year is a parigraha, which is a Sanskrit word and it means non-attachment. And whenever things have been like, oh, feeling a lot in this year, I've just said to myself, a parigraha, like don't hold attachment too 
physical things to plans to just things we can't control and then we can have just a lovely time enjoying the present it puts you Mm. forces you to be in the present Mm. and what are some of the things that you've let go of then over the last few months and that you've actually like been quite happy to to kind of let slip away um early mornings (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you're a yoga teacher and often you have to be places at like 7 a.m yeah yeah it was just so much of getting getting up and getting out at 6 45 um that I now I don't have to do and it's such a pleasure I mean I still actually get up relatively early but it's slow and I don't get on mm. a bus crammed full of people um and instantly everything before everything was like ah, go 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 and now it's so much calmer. Mm. Um, I've forgotten what the question was. I was asking you what you've let go of. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, early morning. Getting, getting up, getting up early. Yeah, early morning chaos, um, and just rushing around and trying to fit so much into each day. I think, as human beings, we can fall into this trap of thinking that we're achieving things if we're doing a lot. If we're physically taking things off and and going from thing one thing to the next and people always used to say to me Sarah you do so much and I don't do a lot but now looking back I crammed a lot into each day a lot in Mm. yeah and what's the transition like um if I can you know be as so bold to ask um have you kept your head above water financially because i know that you know a lot of yoga teachers initially turned to doing online classes and i think at the beginning of this pandemic everyone amazingly was offering their services often for free mm. and then it dragged on and it dragged on and it dragged on and i think people realized like oh gosh this is here to stay mm. i've still got to make a living um how has that transition been for you? Because I know you teach yoga now mainly via Zoom. Yes, it's actually been, it's been such a surprising year. Never did I think that I'd be forced to move my business online and in such a big way. I mean, yoga is such a hands-on energy in the room thing. Um, And at the start of lockdown, when everything was moving online, I had such fear, such fear because it seemed like everyone was getting on it very quickly and all of these yoga teachers were just jumping on things Mm. and having to adapt so quickly, which is amazing. Um, And when I first started my Zoom classes, it was quite overwhelming how many people joined. And I I moved straight into um, paid classes. I actually didn't do anything for free because um, some of my mentors especially were saying, you know, we have to know our worth and definitely in a time where people were losing their jobs and it was a struggle for people financially and I did say to people if you can't afford to come to my classes let me know and you can of course come for free but when it first started I thought wow I'm having so many people join and for the first time ever I thought oh this is what I'm supposed to be getting paid as a yoga teacher And it's been such a shift. And I think it has been for so many trainers and yoga teachers and healers that actually this time has shown everyone just how much we're worth, just how much our time is worth and our effort is worth. Because I mean, it's such a a battle because 
previously I was teaching at these big studios which have so many different locations all over London and they charge a bomb for people to go to and I was getting paid 20 pound a class and then moving things online and you know people are paying you sort of six to ten pound per person and you're getting that minus the paypal fee or the zoom fee and you suddenly think like yeah damn right i've worked hard for this and i give so much out so much my energy planning there's so much that goes into a yoga class or for me as a teacher there is so actually i feel kind of guilty saying it but this year has been financially the best for me that's amazing and there was me so prepared and and just thinking that it must have been harder and you know because like I just yeah I just I'm 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 really surprised by that and really pleased because you're so right like we all need to know our worth yeah and um I'm the same as you like I I kind of I know we spoke on um kitchen club podcast about patreon and how I'd moved any kind of like nutritional therapy content to Mm. Patreon because I didn't I didn't feel like I wanted to necessarily give that away for free because it's my business and it's how I earn an income um and it is always surprising when people like every time you get a new Patreon subscriber because I know you guys have just launched one you get a little email I'm still really shocked I'm like oh my gosh someone wants to give and it's not much the cost of a couple of coffees a month yeah but someone wants to give me that money for the knowledge that I have and it's so rewarding yeah um yeah and I must say I mean this is all my personal experience and I think it has definitely helped that I have a, a little bit of a following on Instagram that has enabled me to access um Mm. my students in that way and I I mean having spoken to a lot of yoga teachers at the start of lockdown they were also saying the same thing but I don't know if that goes widely for for yoga teachers yeah um so I think being sensitive to that as well obviously it has been very hard that overnight everyone lost their teaching Mm. positions in studios so it's been a, a year of adapting for the industry for everyone Mm. um but yeah you're right and actually when it was probably July time when things had sort of petered down a little bit and it was my fiance Piers's birthday and we were just out walking and I said oh I just got another booking for for tonight or whenever it was and he was like I can't believe people are still paying you to teach them yoga <laughs> I was like thanks babe <laughs> oh so kind so of lovely him. of you and he was like but they're still like dedicated these people have been doing this and now I still have you know the same students from nine months ago this is it nine eight is that how long it's been oh my gosh nine months but I think that just goes to show Sarah that everyone has fully taken on board the message that we all individually have to prioritize our health right Mm. now and we have to stand up and take responsibility for our health because if we don't we are in the plainest terms way more vulnerable to getting covid um, yeah. so, you know, 10 pounds for a yoga class, class, that's going to benefit your mental and physical health. It's, it's like a no brainer right now, isn't it? Absolutely. If, if of course that those funds are available to you, like yeah. you said, got to be sensitive to all, you know, sides of the story. But, um, no, I'm really pleased to hear that. So 
I guess I want to ask you, um, probably everyone listening to this knows who you are, but I actually don't know your story to where you've got to today. How did you become Sarah Malcolm, yoga teacher extraordinaire? (laughs) Um, Well, where shall I start? Um, I guess, so I I used to work in theatre, grew up acting as a child and doing stuff in musical theatre and then sort of came out of university um my life revolved around being a waitress because that's what happens when you start to act Mm -hmm. (laughs) the reality of it um and at age 24 I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome and um that was sort of the real catalyst to get me where I am today um had I mean, it was then, when was that? Six years ago. I didn't know anything about PCOS. I, it wasn't really something that it was widely spoken about. And I was called into the doctor's surgery and um, the doctor said, okay, you have PCOS. You're not gonna be able to have children. Here's a leaflet, bye. And I mean, as you know, Grace, what a, mm. it's just not a lovely How dare thing. they say it yeah. like that? It's yeah. honestly every woman that's had some sort of like fertility chat with the doctor that is how it goes yeah yeah and And it's it's so so sad sad. yeah it really Mm. is and I went home and you know I was just reading this leaflet as I was still living with my parents and just cried my eyes out for the whole afternoon my mum came home who is just the most wonderful woman and she was a nurse in a gynecology clinic so she kind of she knew a lot about well more than average about fertility and women's stuff um and she said no Sarah we're gonna we're gonna start a journey and we're gonna like try and beat this try and help you stuff you're reading online is just just get rid of it like Mm. it's not the end of the road so we then both together started researching heavily just the stuff that was out there then which is probably so out of date now um about PCOS and uh exercising eating well um so I really took that on board and at the time it was such a wonderful journey to go on it was the height of the clean eating movement um Mm. and I was very caught up in it and actually really loved it I loved creating recipes I wasn't a massive foodie um so the joy of creating recipes was really lovely and I mean I, I cut out sugar and did all the stuff that the internet told me to do (laughs) um but looking back now I think it was a it was definitely I took it too far and it was more of a controlled thing but as this is part of the journey it was a very big part of it all and I created my Instagram at that time to just kind of share what stuff I was making what what recipes I was making on on for PCOS um and it was all just smoothie bowls. And there were so many times where I thought, oh, what am I doing? You know, who wants to see this? And actually people that I knew from growing up in, in North London, one guy in particular commented once and was like, oh, no one cares, Sarah. And I thought, oh my God, I should oh. just stop this now. <laughs> um, I mean, it was at the time when everyone was just posting their breakfast photos. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, oh, that time. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I 
took a lot of pleasure in creating recipes and taking photos of those recipes. And I suddenly thought, oh, maybe I have something going for me here. Maybe this is, you know, a different journey that I should start or a career that I should start, never really knowing what it was. And then um, as with probably everyone at the time, I was completely obsessed with Deliciella and thought, gosh, she's amazing. I then applied for a job working in the Deliciella office at the time where I think it was just um, lovely Annie Clark working with her then um, and Jess Moses, who is a goddess. And I was, you know, putting all my eggs in one basket and I thought, please, 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 can I get this job? I didn't get the job and I was gutted. I remember crying um, about it. And my mom was like, Sarah, this isn't your only route. I was like, it is, it is. This is how I get into this world. And then uh, about two weeks later, I got a call again saying, actually, Sarah, it didn't work out with the girl we hired. Can you come and have the job? So anyway, I started working at Deliciciela. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how Serena and I met. Fascinating. Serena joined as I left. Um, so Serena worked there too yeah Serena was there for a long time um listeners Serena is my lovely friend who I do um kitchen club podcast with um and Grace's friend too yeah she worked there as well but we we never worked there together so I was only there for three months because I absolutely hated it (laughs) it wasn't what I wanted to do at all it had nothing my job it was a time when the business was um moving very fast and there was so much going on and the deli was opening and I had to basically like crunch numbers and figure out how much things should cost and Grace I just have oh, absolutely wow. no idea about that sort that of stuff. sounds like my worst nightmare <laughs> I was googling things as I was been told what to do just googling like what what they what people were saying to me because I didn't understand um but it was such a brilliant learning experience you know to see how a successful business like that runs um and then this is very long story I'm really sorry no I'm really enjoying okay. this <laughs> I'm also like really worried that I've badmouthed deliciously Ella to either you or Serena on a podcast in the past which oh, no. is something I do often <laughs> don't worry don't worry I think we've all got our own experiences um but yeah so then I left that job and everyone was saying like, Sarah, this is all you wanted. Why have you left this job? And I I just knew it wasn't right for me. I'd cry like every day. And um, through that experience, I met some really lovely people. Um, one of which was a, a gorgeous woman called Shelley who was running food festivals at the time. And she said, oh, I just need someone to help me ta- uh, cook food, take pictures of food, and then I'll put it on the Instagram for the food festival it's called good roots and I was that girl so I just used to go to her house and take pictures of food and she was like Sarah you're so good at this and I I mean I still think this to this day because I still do a lot of food styling well not a lot now and then I still think can't everyone do this Mm. (laughs) but apparently not um and yeah I just started getting more foodie jobs from that I still didn't know what I was doing. I still kind of wanted to be an actress, but uh, wasn't sure. And then my Instagram was growing a little bit and I found myself getting caught up in like a fitnessy world, but I thought this doesn't feel quite right. Alongside all of this, I'd been um, practicing yoga 
since I was in my second year of uni. So since, how old is that, 19? Mm. Um, Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah. And it had always been something that I just absolutely loved, but never really took that seriously. Um, I got into yoga through a really wonderful teacher. I don't know her name. I'm not sure if I actually ever knew her name, but she was incredibly spiritual. And it was a really slow yoga class that she actually said to me, like, Sarah, I think you should do something a little bit more um, energetic. You know, I mean, I was the youngest person in that class by an absolute mile. Um, but I loved it. I was really brought into it. And anyway, so in this sort of time of transition, like, where should I put my energy into? I was, it was brought to my attention, this beautiful training that Frame were holding with Michael James Wong and Emily Claire Hill, who are two magnificent yoga teachers in London and globally. And I just thought, I'm going to, I'm going to apply for the training. I'm just going to do it. And I remember my brother saying to me at the time, like, oh, Sarah, don't do it. Everyone's a yoga teacher. Everyone's mm. a yoga teacher. Everyone I know is a yoga teacher. I thought, yeah, but you know, what if, what if I'm a yoga teacher and something nice happens? Um, so I did, jumped on the training, jumped on as if it was that easy, um, invested a lot of money in the training. Mm-hmm. And the first day I knew that this was like, yeah, wow. I've been sort of dabbling my energy around and this is where I want it to go. Um, this feels really right. And I think, and actually when you came on Kitchen Club, Grace, and you said about a performative lifestyle and how being on Instagram feels quite easy because you've had that background. Mm. I think for me as well, becoming a yoga teacher or having that journey into it was definitely helped by a performative background because it kind of fills that acting gap for me that you get that thrill of being on stage or performing. It's very similar as a yoga Mm. teacher. Because yeah. it's so much about that. It's not just, you know, you're, no one wants to go to a class and have a teacher that's sort of mumbling and you can't hear them and there's not much going on. It's a it's a performance. It's an experience. Yeah, totally. And I feel the same about teaching breathwork. And I yeah. um, when I taught on my friend Sophie's Rise Fierce retreat recently in the days where we were allowed out of our houses, oh, yes. she was like, wow, you seem like such a natural. I'm sure no one would have known that was one of your first times teaching in real life. And I was like, yeah, I, should, I think, and like you say, Literally just because I was just on display. <laughs> but it helps so also, much, doesn't it? So much. Also, quickly, before we carry on, because I'm loving this story, I just want to caveat my deliciously Ella comment because I feel like, having said that, I may have offended some people. I have no issue with deliciously Ella. I I think she's wonderful. I personally have an issue with how much sugar is in the food from yeah. my perspective as a nutritional therapist, and that's all I meant by that. I know it's all natural, but it is still very, very sugary. And I think that the world needs to be aware of that because mm. it's, you know, there's a lot of clever marketing that surrounds not just deliciously Ella products, but all of the kind of natural, healthy, yeah, quote unquote, sugar-free stuff um, still contains a lot of sugar. That's all I meant. Yeah. So back to you. <laughs> um, so you did this amazing training at Frame. And then what was it like after that? You just Did you just launch into it? Was it difficult to kind of get classes and stuff? Well, I think I've been very lucky on my journey um, because I've met a lot of brilliant people through Instagram and through my work in food. Um, And 
when I was doing my training, I was very fortunate to already have a job lined up, a teaching job lined up for when my training was finished. So it was at Mortimer House, which is a members club in London, um, who wanted a yoga teacher. And I think I was the only one they knew of. Um, I wasn't even a yoga teacher then, but I was fortunate to have that straight away to to launch into, which is rare for yoga teachers. You know, a lot mm. of people go away and do their training in a beautiful part of the world and they come back and it's a whole new like whoa where do I start this is brand new territory um Grace yeah. it looks like the sun from your window shining on me doesn't it yeah it does it's so weird <laughs> and I'm also very conscious of the fact that you're like getting further away. and further across to the right hand side of your screen as the sun goes in your eyes <laughs> it's a glorious day today it is it is <laughs> so lucky with the weather um, um honestly, we're just gonna have to keep going <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably go soon and I'll miss it um yeah so I was actually very fortunate to experience my first teacher training and have a job lined up and I mean, it's a very scary time. If anyone's done their teacher training, you'll know how daunting it is stepping out and, and teaching your first class. So I was very lucky and fortunate to have the support of Mortimer House who were just like, yeah, you do what you want to do. Mm, um, amazing. And one of my mentors throughout my training, I remember saying the first two years of your teaching will be horrendous, but you won't know it at the time until you look back. Um, so there's that. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you're past those two years now, right? I'm past, and you're kind of yeah. in, in your stride. Yeah. This is now making so much sense in my head as to why your bowls of porridge in the morning are so beautiful. <laughs> because you're a bloody food stylist in disguise. <laughs> yeah. Parading yourself as a yoga teacher. <laughs> Whoopsie. It's not something I like to push that much because I have real imposter syndrome with mm. um, food styling. And I think sometimes, oh, I, don't, I just don't wanna tell people because I don't wanna get that work because then I'll panic about the job, the said job right. for the week previous, um, mm. which is silly. But I think that teaching yoga is just, I just feel so happy to do it. And it's, it's such a joy to have, to really to have a job that you really, really love. Um, it's your calling well perhaps <laughs> um, wow I love that story so much I'm just jumping in here to tell you about the sponsor of this episode We Are Samudra Samudra is a sustainable activewear brand ethically manufactured in London from recycled ocean plastic when you buy a Samudra piece, you are not only investing into the slow fashion movement, but you're helping marine environments and societies worldwide because Samudra donate 5% of profits to female-focused conservation projects. They've chosen Ocean Swell Organisation, based in Sri Lanka, to be their charity that they donate to after their first year in business. Their pieces are consciously created by women, for women, and they have hand-selected their suppliers to have a female-majority workforce and to match their ethos on sustainability, gender equality and ethics. The founders, Katie and Margot, are childhood friends from school, and they only decided to start their brand in the first lockdown, so Samudra is still super new and fresh and needs all the support it can get. They are so passionate about their new brand and getting the word out there, and I'm thrilled to be able to support them in this. 
All of the pieces double up as swimwear and I've worn the sports bra a few times in the ocean as it's actually just super flattering. They also do organic cotton tees with their three wave logo embroidered onto the chest, which are really, really lovely. The girls have kindly set up a 10% off code for listeners of this podcast. Just enter STATE OF MIND in capitals at the checkout and you can also get free shipping at the moment too. Please do and go check out We Are Samudra on Instagram and their website, wearesamudra.com. So speaking of food then, because I just think that for everyone listening to this, food has become such a comfort to us over the last few months. Yeah. And actually you and I are speaking to each other at the end of a very strange week. Mm. I think we are day two of the second national lockdown. Um, and also the US presidential election. Oh, yes. I mean, just like so much anxiety and and weird feelings this week, I think, just for everyone. Definitely. Um, what have you kind of gravitated towards in your kitchen? Like what's been providing you with the most comfort over the last few months and maybe this week in particular? Um, potato sourdough. Oh, so good. (laughs) There's such a brilliant bakery just around the corner from my house called Luminary Bakery. And their potato sourdough is just so delicious. Mm, I do miss London bread. Oh, yeah. I I bet. But you've got lovely places in Cornwall. Canteen looks delicious. Yeah, we do. Canteen is so nice. I mean, I also just miss gluten. Like, I I try very hard not to have too much gluten because I'm in this annoying position where because of my job like I just know too much about food and about how things work in your body um, and how even if you're not celiac you know gluten's not necessarily your best friend so I just have this like every time I go to like look at bread I'm like oh it's gonna widen the tight junctions in my you know gut wall but um I just, I know how you feel. There's just something about bread. It's so comforting. It really is. I'm going to think about and that And have you later. been making sourdough yourself? No. Or is that just Serena? <laughs> just Serena. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it at the start and then I was like, but the bakery's so good. Mm, <laughs> and I, know. I brought home a loaf yesterday when I went out on my early morning walk because Grace Kingsall told me to. Um, yes. And I brought home sourdough and, and Piers, my partner, said, gosh, if my grandma knew that we spent eight pounds a week on sourdough, she would just be Mm. so livid. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, that's one thing I don't miss that much about London is London food prices. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh yes. Um, Yes. That's two loaves though. It's not eight pounds for one. Okay. Can you imagine if it was eight pounds for one loaf? I mean, I I couldn't do it. Um, So yes, that has been providing me with so much comfort um what else what else have we been really loving dal has been our absolute go-to for the whole of this year basically no Mm. matter the weather we just love cooking dal so much um and it's just so easy like such an easy way to get veggies in and everything else and i'm absolutely obsessed with lime pickle so it's basically an excuse to have lime pickle on the side of my dinner anything yeah 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 amazing yeah um and when i came we we just touched on it then but when i came on your podcast you asked me what my healthy habit was Mm. uh which is 
getting outside first thing in the morning. Can I ask you what yours is? Do you know what? Because I always I... feel like as a podcaster, <laughs> we ask people these questions and we never have an answer I prepared. I know, I know. But it's so weird because I thought Grace is going to ask me that. I just had such Ooh, a feeling. Funny. Yeah. But um, do I have a proper answer? Probably not. I mean, Serena and I have asked each other the same question and I think they change. But I think mine would be having an uninterrupted cup of either tea or coffee in the morning and appreciating that and sort of closing your eyes and almost feeling it as a a meditative experience, smelling it, tasting it, like the whole process and the ceremony, ceremony behind it is that's what has been really filling me up and I've been finding Mm. so much pleasure in that so I would say that that currently is my healthy habit I don't know how healthy the coffee would be for me but (laughs) (laughs) well your morning coffees are like very famous online (laughs) um like beautiful earthenware mug like very sort of nice latte art and I feel like if I didn't see that at least once a day on your Instagram profile, I would like worry that something had gone seriously, Is seriously Sarah wrong. Okay? Sarah's disappeared. She didn't have a coffee today. Um, okay, so I want to talk about like quick, well, not quick, but things that you do, like tangible things that you do that that positively impact your mental and physical health that maybe listeners can kind of take on board. Because I feel like, Usually I would ask such different questions on a podcast, but this whole week has just like eclipsed Mm. my Mm. brain. All I can think about is lockdown and COVID and Donald Trump. Refreshing (laughs) the news constantly. Yes. And I'm I'm not someone, I try and keep my head actually out of the news or I certainly have done this year. Um, I just sort of just got over it. At the beginning, I was like fixated on the TV. I remember when Nick and I were still living in London and we'd watch the news all the time and like, you know, what was happening with COVID because it was all really new. And in a way, I feel like it's bad that I've switched off a bit from it, but I think a lot of people have just as mm. like a sort of self-preservation method. But what are your tried and tested methods for just keeping on top of your physical and mental health? I would say definitely daily movement in any shape or form um and it doesn't have to be massive things i think really trusting in your energy and sort of checking in with yourself and thinking like what do i actually want today what is actually going to help me and make me feel better um and that is really key because not every day especially as women who are going through cycles and and shifting of hormones all the time We're never going to, it's never going to be like one size fits all every single day. Um, Mm. But I would say some sort of movement, even if it's the smallest thing or a really short walk, something is just such a tonic. For me, most of the time, it's um, just like a wriggle around standing, not even proper yoga. Mm. (laughs) It's rare that I do daily practices. I'm just going to move it right over here. Um, but having a chance to close your eyes, to move into your breath a little more and slow things down and actually think like, how am I feeling? Let the movement inspire that. 
or be let the sorry your thoughts inspire your movement vice versa basically um and yeah just check in have have that Mm. time to assess and tune into what you what you're feeling because we could beat ourselves up for for not feeling anything but happy and energetic and wow feel so productive but actually it's just part of being human it's having Mm. this beautiful emotional landscape to be able to feel and it was recently i I don't know where I heard this from recently, but we've been sort of chatting about it on our podcast as well, about what a privilege and what a joy it is to be human and to have so many emotions. Mm. And we shouldn't get down about when we're feeling sad or we're feeling angry because they're just us processing stuff. And Mm. we have, I think, so much of a sort of thing like, oh, you're not happy or... I don't know, just an assumption that we need to be one way. So in order to have that check-in, just lets you land very honestly in your in your own body. So I think that is something, sorry, very long answer, but something that we can all do daily and whatever movement feels right for you um, and your, your energy, really. Mm. And do you ever find it difficult to share those lows because I love how open and honest you are on online with your online presence and your audience and you know I think I quite often see you just saying FYI I'm going to bed for the rest of the day (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it is hard being a woman a lot of the time Um, do you ever do you ever find it difficult to share the really low moments would you say you share all of them do you protect some of them I mean how does that play out for you when you have such a large online audience I don't think I find it hard sharing I think naturally I'm an oversharer anyway so it feels quite normal for me to share highs and lows um but what makes an issue is when I share the lows on Instagram before I share them with my friends I think and right. they end up seeing how I'm feeling on Instagram rather than me reaching out, which then causes some friction because they said like, oh, you know, check in with us and we can maybe help you. But it's never a sort of, whenever I share a low moment, it's never a cry for help. It's just a, a way to say, you know, this is just how I'm feeling. Like, mm, let's like, experience Let's it. normalize it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I don't, yeah, obviously don't share everything um, because I wouldn't want my account to then just be a place where, oh, Sarah's low again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who wants to see that? Absolutely no one. <laughs> Here she goes. Oh. Oh, no, I mean, those those moments are rare, but I just meant that like, I like that you're very honest about them. Um, as I think most people are these days online there's definitely been been a big shift hasn't there towards a bit more honesty yeah a bit you know fewer filters basically in all senses of the word yeah definitely Um, which I think is just a good thing so Sarah I don't really know what else to ask you like I said (laughs) I'm usually so well prepared for these podcasts but I guess I just wanted to have like A a chat and like check in with you and see how you are and talk about like what's been happening this year because it's just been so bizarre it has Um, been so bizarre but I think we can 
we can all learn a lot from it definitely yeah yeah what have you learned um apart from not planning not planning don't have, to have you learned anything about yourself that you didn't really like has anything kind of surprised you about yourself um I think hmm that's a that's a good question actually uh I'm a bit stumped for that but I would maybe say in any well sort of about my teaching that I like it to be as emotional as possible Mm, okay um and that as a human I get a lot a lot out of uh creating space for people to dive into their emotions Mm. and it sounds I feel very... like you'd be an amazing host of like a women's circle or something. I'd love that. I'd actually love that. Yeah. I've never done one. I'd really like to. You should. You'd, yeah. You would honestly love it so much. Yeah. They sound great. I've been I've been to some and I've been like, yes, love it. Um, yeah. But I, maybe this sounds sadistic. But I think I quite like when people tell me they've cried. <laughs> And like, I've been, I've been not been the cause of that, but when they said like, wow, I really cried in that class. And I secretly think, yes. But because I think, wow, you were able to open up and release something during that process. Mm. Because mm. crying is definitely not spoken about. I absolutely, spoken about enough. I absolutely love crying. Me um, too. Oh, isn't it the best? I do it at least once a month, like usually around my period. I mean, I do it it's maybe every day, Grace, a... <laughs> at least once a month. It's like, huh? <laughs> so here's a cool thing about crying. It's actually one of the form, it's actually one of the detox pathways in the body. Like we detox via our tears. When I learned that, I was just like, hold the phone. This is amazing. So quite often now when I'm like writing up patient um, emails and stuff, or like if I'm taking someone through detox or something, I'm like, please have a cry. Yes. And, or like, don't be afraid to have a cry yes. because it's it's so good for the body and it's so cathartic. And like, we always feel better after a cry, don't we? So much better, so mm. much better. And especially pre-period, if I, if I know that I'm coming on my period, I'll sort of like, you know, you have more anxiety. I do I have maybe a terrible time in my periods, but... You know, when you get to that moment where you're like, everything just feels a bit too much. I'm going to cry. And then after you've had a big cry, sometimes your period comes because you've had that release. And then it's like pathways open. Here we go. Like instantly. Well, kind of like the next day. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. I should um, keep tabs on that. The last time I had like a really significant period cry, it was over like we were still living in London. So it hasn't, hasn't actually been for a while. I've been like balancing, you know, trying really hard to actually balance my hormones so that I don't have PMS. Yes, well done. Um, uh, and it was like, Nick wouldn't come to the garden centre with me. And it was like the end of the world. And oh, yeah. I was just like so sad and I cried so much. I was like, I remember being like, you don't understand how you didn't come with me to the garden centre and all this stuff by myself. And like, I really feel for men at this point oh my God, so much. the logical part of their brain must be like, what is going on? Yeah. I've done nothing. I've literally done nothing. Yeah. 
Um, but you've got to pick an argument before your period. That's just part of the process. <laughs> you pick an argument, you cry, next day your period comes. Yeah, and you're like, sorry, babe. Yeah, that was, uh, whoops. Fine. One of my girlfriends from school, um, you know the the period tracking apps where you put in like how you're feeling each day mm. and you know you can kind of track your emotional symptoms as well as your um, hormone levels and stuff. Her and her boyfriend both use the app so that he can see when she is likely to pick a fight with him so clever. and like they'll have an argument and then they'll check the app and they'll be like oh it's okay you're you're just in like your pms face so like this is fine i just thought so like good. great use of tech yeah like really good so use of good tech. they yeah. there's an app like that for and i don't know if it is for periods but i used to use it i can't remember what it is um and you can do it with your friends and if you see that they're going through a low bit without them having to tell you, you can be like, oh, I think they might need me now. I'll check in with them mm. or I'll provide mm. this for them. And I was doing it with one of my best friends and I didn't actually look at that. Maybe I just sensed that she needed something and I messaged her. I said, do you want to come to a sound bath with me? I'll cook you dinner. And she was like, how did you know? This is all I needed. Like, yes, please. So yeah, I mean, yeah. quite useless. That I can't remember what it was called, but great tech as well. Great tech, yeah amazing that we can kind of get on board with these weird apps that can actually help us I figure know. out our lives a bit more because <laughs> I think you know these days we don't live in tune with our cycles at all in the past you know when we were kind of hunter gatherers or whatever we would have just you know p women would have gone and just like chilled out for seven days or just like been by themselves like maybe in a nice dark room and just you know had their time and these days we're supposed to just kind of breeze through it and like keep working mm. and, you know, like pretend that it's all okay. And actually the number one thing that, well, hormonal issues come up with every single one of my patients you, who, who's a, a, of a female, um, you know, female patient population. And like the easiest thing we can do and the reason I have such a bugbear over sugar is, you know, balancing our blood sugar will massively change your hormones and as I'm sure you know PCOS is essentially an insulin resistant mm. condition so like it's just it just like it's just mind-boggling to me that we all still consume so much sugar yeah um when actually like you don't you know period pain is common it's not normal that is like one of the most profound things I think you can hear as a woman period pain is normal no, period pain is common, but it's not normal. Mm -hmm. So actually, we we shouldn't have to deal no. with with pain every month, and you don't have to. That's the thing; you really don't have to if you get things right. Um, so yeah, it's really empowering when you can kind of start to dig down into that and actually take control of your cycle, stop having so much sugar, yeah. <laughs> balance your blood sugar a little bit, get your hormones, you know, checked out. Yeah, um, that's something that I've been because I've been struggling with really painful periods the last couple of months and I eventually went to my doctor after trying to do everything else and um, they said okay so we'll put you on the uh, we'll put you on the combined pill and I was like no I know it's the only answer <laughs> they have it. Yeah. yeah and then he said okay well I'll, I'll prescribed you some sort of acids I mean I still haven't picked them up from the pharmacy because mm. I'm because it's literally just masking the pain like what good is that totally. going to do um, I was having similar, like at the start of lockdown, my periods got really painful. And I think, because obviously stress plays, plays a huge part because when we're stressed, we push our cortisol up. 
and um, the stress hormones and the sex hormones, like they play off one another. So if you're stressed, then your female sex hormones aren't in the right ratios. Mm. So I was like, oh, maybe that's why. But then I was also thinking about it. And in lockdown, I was I was having like muesli for breakfast every morning. So like oats and like fruit, which is basically a sugar bomb. And I was having more chocolate. I was eating way more carbohydrates. And I think, you know, these days we forget that actually sugar isn't just the like date bliss ball or the, you know, 70% or milk chocolate. It's actually like it is carbohydrates too. It is, you know, white rice, it is pasta, it is oats even though they're quote unquote slow releasing, which I don't really think they are. So mm. I, just, I thought about it as like, I really let myself slip and it only took me like a month, but I, I went back to having like a protein based breakfast. I ditched so many carbohydrates and I haven't had a painful period since. Wow. And it's the effects are so profound. Um, I just wish more people knew about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it's 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 just like senseless to me that Obviously, you know, there, there are conditions like endometriosis, which means you will have really painful periods, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be that way for everyone. And I think it's empowering when you start to, like you say, take responsibility for your health. Question what you're told. Like you still haven't picked up your tablets from the doctor. There's something in your brain that's going, hmm, I don't want to put like chemical stuff yeah. in me. I, mean, I don't even know what they are. Um, but that, I mean, that, I don't know, that, that's a problem as well because like f for most people the first point of call is your GP mm. and what they will do nine times out of ten is put you on the pill because it it ha it will work but then you've got all the kind of other complications of synthetic hormones exactly. and you know compromised fertility yeah yeah it's mad um, um I guess I should stop eating so much bread then Grace shouldn't I <laughs> <laughs> basically oh. what you're telling me Sarah stop eating the potato sourdough oh, it's, it's it's really hard because obviously these things bring us so much joy but I think the fundamental thing for me is that you know the joy that we get from carbs is just dopamine and it's just a chemical neuro you know it, it's it's a messenger in our brain and we get we hit that reward center in our brain and we feel great um but as soon as we can kind of just transition out of creating dopamine that way and do it another way like for example with like going cold water swimming and getting the hit that way or laughing hysterically with your partner who's doing like a silly dance mm -hmm. whatever it is it's um you know it, it's like a we have to retrain our brain we have to retrain that muscle and like learn it mm. in a sense but it is hard because our brains do run on glucose and glucose is sugar so obviously when we're tired, or when we're low, or when we want to feel good, we want carbs. Um, and I'm still a huge sucker for sourdough, but I know, I know that it doesn't suit me. And it's not because of the gluten, it's because of when it breaks down in your body, it's just sugar. Um, so it. it Damn. it's hard <laughs> I think I think you know it, it depends on every person um like you said PCOS is an insulin resistant condition and take that however you want yeah. it but you know fundamentally stay happy because that's crucial too absolutely yeah um Just and stay, it's not like happy. <laughs> you can have your potato sourdough Sarah I'm not gonna take it away from you if you were my patient I might but you're not so keep going <laughs> my period will come round and I'll be crippled in pain and I'll think damn I just should have listened to Grace 
Oh, the irony of this whole situation is that when you asked me my three favorite ingredients for your podcast, I said <laughs> sourdough, jam, jam, and butter. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, was clearly dear. just your mind being like, that is what I want right now. Yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> um, this has been such a joy. I hope that we've provided some value for the listeners. If we haven't, it's totally my fault for being... Oh, no, don't be silly. Unprepared and me. like overwhelmed by this a week. week. Um, I know. But what a joy it's been to talk to you. You are such a breath of fresh air on the Instagram airwaves and Likewise. Um, just love everything you do. Oh, great. Can you Thank just you. Um, tell everyone quickly where to find you and what you do and about your podcast and about your new Patreon page? Yes. Um, so you can all find me on Instagram at Sarah Malks. I just have to say, a lot of people think my name, my last name is Malks, but it's Malcolm. Um, at Sarah Malks and I have my Zoom classes, yoga classes that I teach weekly. So if anyone is feeling inspired to come and join me, they're, they're rather lovely, lovely I bunch of I people. I think I will now. Oh, please do. You're mm. so welcome to. Um, slow and soothing. And I have my fab podcast with my wonderful friend Serena called Kitchen Club. And we have just launched our Patreon page where we give out our recipes that we cook for our guests and share other bits and bobs on there as well. We also have an e-cookbook on there to devour. And I will just tell the wonderful listeners if they don't know that Patreon is an amazing platform where you can basically support your favourite artist, podcaster, musician, someone that's making or doing an amazing thing that... um, you know is not like a recognizably easy career path essentially Mm. um and you can support them with a monthly pledge of just a couple of pounds or however much you want and it really it's really helpful isn't it and it's an amazing way to build kind of like an inner community away from the sort of prying eyes of instagram where you can really connect with people one-on-one and you you don't just ask for money you give something back Mm -hmm. so in your case they get recipes and like exclusive um info and in my case on my patreon i give um uh health focused nutrition focused blog posts and again recipes and and breath work so i think it's a really a really good thing and i'm yeah i'm glad that you're you're going for it and promoting it and um please everyone go and check it out the kitchen club or just kitchen kitchen club podcast Okay. Is the thing, yeah, and actually, all inspired by you, Grace. So thank you for bringing it to our attention. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> um, okay, well, shall we leave things there, Sarah? Yeah. Oh no, wait, sorry. There's one last question I have to ask you that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. What does state of mind, which is the name of this podcast, mm-hmm. mean to you? It's a big I'm question. So glad I didn't forget that. Yeah. Do people answer? Yeah, big answer this Very quickly. Or is um, I usually give them the questions in advance, right. Sarah, um, which is uh, not what no, I've done I mean, but I, you I have listened to your podcast, so I do know I did know it was coming. Um, but state of mind for me would mean honestly checking in with yourself, whatever emotional frequency that is, and just noticing that and experiencing that, and that's how I'd say it. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. What a joy. 
Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to State of Mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder that We Are Samudra are offering 10% off their sustainable activewear to listeners of this podcast using the code State of Mind. Just head over to wearesamudra.com. And if you have a spare second, please rate and subscribe to State of Mind as it really helps get the word out there about the podcast. Bye bye.